Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for TheMediaBios.com. Joining me today is TJ. Hello. Got a little Chris. Hello. And I got myself a Brent. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and on today's podcast, we're going to talk about what we've been watching, as well as maybe week's film news, if it doesn't make us too depressed. <laughs> Uh, That's film news, TV news, and games news Because we do all that Uh, But first, our watch list Anyone want to go feist? I'll do it (laughs) Wasn't ready And go Hypothetically Uh, A couple of these we hit on our top ten list And Oscar nominations list So I'll just kind of skim those Saw Dunkirk By the way, if you haven't listened to our top ten list episode Or uh, the Oscar nominations prediction Go do that, it was real fun Back to back, the best things we've ever done Pretty much um, but I saw Dunkirk, uh, just to reiterate, it's a huge achievement in directing, I think. Fantastic movie we all loved. I think it was in all of our top tens, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah, check out Dunkirk, but we, we talk about it uh, a lot on those previous casts. Um, mm-hmm. When we didn't talk about it a ton was a movie Chris and I saw in the theater. Uh, when it's all the post. Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep movie. It was good. Not mind-blowing. Yeah, agreed. It's like base, solid baseline Spielberg, sort of. like inter- My guess is, at worst, it's entertaining. Yeah. I mean, at worst, it's it's a professional movie, if that makes sense. Like, you can tell everything is done to a point. There is a, what do you think, Chris? About 45 minutes of, like, hard journalism, yeah. investigative journalism scenes. That happens in a Bill Bradley, played by Tom Hanks. His house and... That's as exciting as anything in Spotlight. It's just the rest of the movie isn't as exciting as everything in Spotlight. I hate to compare those two, but... It's the guy who wrote Spotlight. Co- co-wrote Spotlight. Co-wrote Spotlight. Yeah. And it's a movie about journalism and... Investigative should, journalism. Yeah, should we or shouldn't we publish this? The movie's about the First Amendment and not journalism, though. Right. Which which is fun. The cast is fantastic. It's, it goes so deep. Bob Odenkirk, David Cross, Alison Brie. Um, Carrie Coon. Carrie Coon is fantastic. Bradley Whitford. Bradley yeah. Whitford is really good. Uh, Bruce Greenwood. I, saw, I heard uh, uh, Bradley Whitford on a podcast, and he was talking about Steven Spielberg's approach to him, because there's just so many actors and stuff. Yeah. He's used to, like, having a... I think he plays a composite character, so he didn't have someone yeah. to base it on. Right. So he's getting his direction from Spielberg, and Spielberg's like, uh, oh, how about you don't do your voice? Just do an accent, but don't tell me which one, but not, like, an accent. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... And Bradley Whitford was like, I don't know if Spielberg likes me, because he's also like, when we come in... I don't really want to know it's you. So, like, your back is turned or something when we first meet you. So, just do something like that. <laughs> and just, like, left. <laughs> and Spielberg apparently doesn't rehearse. Doesn't uh, do a table read of a script. Weird. <laughs> Kept saying, like, Meryl wanted to do all those things, but Steven Spielberg wouldn't let her. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's definitely watchless worthy, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, it... The, those 45 minutes in uh, Tom Hanks' character's house are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of brings all the issues and brings the uh, whole cast together mm-hmm. in a really interesting way, including like the board of the Washington Post and the journalists who spent you know the time like doing the digging, and like Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, whose like reputations are on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's that that really is the highlight of the movie. The rest of it kind of drags a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Bob Odenkirk for me is the big surprise standout. He wins that. He wins the movie. He plays the guy who who had the connection um, to get more of the Pentagon Papers. He seems like he's like a like he was probably a newspaper man like for his entire career for like forty years before this this point because he's got these old world connections mm. 
Um, like taking guys up to like scotch and steak. Yeah, um, but he's just he's he's really good, kind of playing playing that type of you know. I know that I'm that I need to trailblaze uh, with these like young guns who want to publish and protect the post, and mm-hmm. but I also have got all these friends that I'm going to burn by doing it. Um, mm-hmm. He's just really good. Nice. Uh, so yeah, check out the post. Uh, also saw Battle of the Sexes, which I think Chris saw as well. Yep, not as good as the post, but. Fine. It's more fun. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more fun. It's just kind of boring. I feel like they, they didn't know what story they were going to tell at yeah. times. Um, if they were going to go with like the women's lib thing, if they were going to go with Billie Jean's sexuality, or if they were going to go with Bobby Bobby Riggs. Bobby yeah. Riggs. Bobby Riggs' uh, home life and how he's an asshole who's not an asshole playing an asshole. Yeah, I, I even forgot about that whole subplot with his wife. And I remember, because I've seen documentaries on that Battle of the Sex tennis matches, before and I knew that he wasn't really like that was all a show yeah you know he's not chauvinist and all that he was doing it to make a bunch of money yeah he's a salesman yeah but I don't know it just didn't do it for me wasn't that impressive Emma Stone Steve Carell was great yeah but it just didn't really do much I really don't have a lot to say about it I guess it's I guess it's watch list worthy it's on the cusp for me maybe like I mean Netflix it or Amazon Prime it when it's free yeah, yeah. if we're doing that tier it's definitely wait wait till it's till it's on something you already pay for. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch. No. Um, I just think that, especially with us right now, if I were to tell you guys to prioritize a movie, it wouldn't be that. With all the movies that we're watching that are going to be the, the year's greatest coming out now. I watched the second English film from Yorgos Lanthimos as well, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Really good. Feel good? Yeah. <laughs> Feel good movie of the year. Uh, no. Uh, Probably not the most fucked up movie I saw these past two weeks, but really <laughs> fucked up. Um, he plays a, a Colin Farrell plays a surgeon who uh, has a mysterious friend who's a, a kid who's about seventeen or eighteen years old, and it's real dry, just like that guy's screenplays always Lobster are. Lobster style, yeah. Um, and you slowly realize that this kid was uh, his father was killed, and he thinks it's Colin Farrell's fault because he was drunk when he did surgery on him. Hmm. And he has put a curse on Colin Farrell's family. Hmm. And the curse is pretty much, he's got to pick somebody to, they're going to go through stages where they'll start, like, they'll lose their ability to walk, their eyes will start bleeding, and eventually they'll die. He's got to pick a family member to kill Hmm. before they all three die, his wife and his daughter and his son. Um, And that's that's the movie. Wow. Were there any, like, weirdly funny parts in the movie? Because I feel like Lobster, I thought, was hilarious at times. And, there were. Uh, that funny, awkward, though, kind of? Yeah, like... That's what it is. There's some of that in Dogtooth, which is... Mm-hmm. Chris has seen Probably, Dogtooth, probably my favorite movie of his. That I've, I've only seen those two. Right. Uh, Dogtooth and Lobster. But, uh, but yeah, like the, the dancing scene in Dogtooth yeah. is just so bizarre and funny. But mm-hmm. well, We've all seen The Lobster, right? I haven't seen it. Y'all two have? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember the scene where the the... Like sex maid has to come in and just grind on him, and you have to watch it for like two minutes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's just silence of her grinding on him. Uh, there's a lot of scenes like that where it's just really weird, like super kinky sex stuff, and you just have to. He makes you watch it all, and it's just like sounds like here's a minute and a half <laughs> yep. Nicole Kidman handjob, and there's no dialogue, and I'm just gonna watch the whole thing. Yep. Yeah, it sounds like dogs. We're like, you're gonna watch this sister fuck her brother. Yeah. And there's, and it's gonna be like. Everything up until like the actual penetration that's shown, and you, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's great filmmaking. I, I do question, and 
would like y'all's opinion on. Um, I wonder if the dialogue is so dry and the screenplays are so kind of barren of emotion. If it's a Greek thing. Or so when you see the crazy shit happen, you're like even more blown away. Yeah, I wonder why he does that. Because like I could act in the first half of his movies. There's no real acting. It's just like say the dialogue in the most deadpan monotone voice you can. I don't know. I wonder if that's why Colin Farrell's his favorite actor. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just thought about that because it's set up the same way the Lobster is, where it's like this is boring. This is boring. If you're not, if you don't know, it's your guess the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see he's doing his next movie is a movie called The Favorite. It's a period piece that he didn't write. Hmm. Huh. Um, it's Queen Anne's reign in England, starring Emma Stone, Rachel Rice, and Nicholas Holt. Weird. That's yeah. bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> what like, what who, studio? Who would who would like procure a script and just be like, I know who I want to direct this. Yorgos Lanthimos. Let's make this like extremely expensive period piece with all these elegant costumes as like off putting as possible. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like we've decided to finally take a shot in the dark and tell the story of the rise of the military reign of Napoleon Bonaparte. We've got a tier top tier director attached to it. Lars von Trier. <laughs> it's like, what? You, you did it wrong. It's kind of like, let's make a Star Trek movie with Quentin Tarantino. Uh, wait. That's happening. But that's going to be a, an Oscar bait movie this year. It's coming out in uh, October, November of 2018. It's quick. And then I saw one other movie. I saw Mudbound. And um, we did the top ten list just a week too early because Mudbound would have been on mine. Huh. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Like I said in the... Top 10, not to pod drop another podcast, <laughs> but like I said in the top 10, I think I need to rewatch it. I just wasn't re- ready for the multiple narrators and that kind of story. Yeah. I think I may appreciate it more. It was a movie I've been putting off watching because it looked super depressing and because it looked like it might bore me, just not my type of flick. Yeah, it does. But, uh, yeah. I was on edge of my seat the whole time. It was super intense. Did, and uh, Who's your really favorite real cast? Man, I don't know. Not Mary J. Blige. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Is I really wanted it to be her, the hype leading into it, but I think it's Jason Mitchell. Yeah. Jason Mitchell can act his damn Phenomenal. Person. He's like instantly magnetic. Um, if y'all don't know the name, he's uh, his kind of breakout role was Easy e and Straight Outta Compton, which he was amazing in. Yeah. Um, but I can see it getting nominated for SAG Ensemble easily. That, that was a good nomination. It's... Uh, it's really good, but yeah, like the two people that were getting a lot of love, Mary J. Blige and Carrie Mulligan, weren't that impressive. But yeah. the two veterans were great. But I the, the screenplay is getting a lot of love, and it deserves it. Screenplay was good. Yeah, Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know you'd seen it. I might have fallen through the cracks. Yeah, uh, it was. I think it was one of the ones where I like I watched twenty movies this week. Um, <laughs> I know Brent hasn't, so I won't get into it. But I thought the ambiguity at the end was delayed in my my watch, and when it hit me, it. Hit me hard. Uh, the movie got a lot better after that. But yeah, it was it was really good. Jason Jason Clark was. kills it. I yeah, Jason Clark's really good. Yeah, uh, he's good. Jonathan like, Hanks was. Uh, I don't know. It was. He was like Foghorn Leghorn for me. Really, like Foghorn Leghorn was racist. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought he was one of the might be the character of the year. I despised the most. Yeah, he was yeah. just such an ass. The scene in the convenience store where he's just like, oh my god, it's brutal. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and really good action scenes. And the, the, the war the, stuff yeah, that, was really good. I did a write-up for the, the website, and that's that's something I said. Is I was like, 
very surprised how professional and competent like Netflix budget movie is with the war scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was really good. I highly recommend it. Five star movie through and through for me. Um, I will say real quick, I started another TV show because I've started a couple that get reviewed pretty well and they seem like things I would like and I get a few episodes in and I quit on them. Uh, but I started The Travelers. I heard of The Travelers. Heard of it. It's a time travel TV show that uh, essentially people come back from the future. I don't know what their goal is yet, but they take over the lives of people who die when they come back. Um, and it's really interesting. It's four time travelers. One of them takes the place of a girl who's severely mentally handicapped and is now smart because the time traveler person kind of took over her body. And uh, I don't know. It's super interesting. I have two episodes in. Hmm. I'll, uh, what I'll, did it originally air on? I'm pulling it up now. And is, originally, it, is it a new show? Yeah, yeah. it's two seasons in. Originally aired on the uh, channel that pulled, puts on when you're pumping gas. <laughs> you pump gas and it's like, welcome to Shell TV. <laughs> From uh, here on Shell TV. It's Netflix. Oh, okay. Netflix original. <clears throat> um, they, they put out so many, it's easy to miss some. Yeah. yeah. Eric McCormick's the only name you'd know. He plays a FBI agent. In Eric McCormick or Aaron? Eric. Oh, okay. Um, plays a... I don't know who Aaron McCormick is. I was going to say, that, you incorrectly <laughs> described that as a name we'd know. <laughs> if it was Aaron. Yeah. Um, he plays an FBI agent in the present day who is tasked with... They connect via like the dark web, essentially. Okay. And he plays a counterterrorism agent who thinks they might be like a cell. So he goes and finds them all. Or I think that's what he's going to do. I don't know. I just started it. But once I <laughs> once I finish the uh, couple of seasons, I'll, I'll talk about it again. But I'm starting it. We'll see if I can continue. There have been a few TV shows lately that I've started and I just get two or three episodes in and I'm bored and quit. Mm-hmm. I wish I would recommend some like science fiction political show or something I could watch. <laughs> <clears throat> or like some fun reality show that we've been talking about for a year. <laughs> if you want a political sci-fi show on Amazon Prime, have you ever seen Brain Dead? No. Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Have you seen if it? you fucking watch that, <laughs> we're going to be, I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it? No. no. He just really wants me to watch Battlestar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it for me. As far as the watch list goes. Cool. I'll go next if that's fine. I wasn't taking it from you. I watched uh, I watched a ghost story, so we can finally bridge that gap. And uh, you're like in the middle, aren't you? Two and a half stars out of yeah. five. <laughs> yep. I a little bit less than below average. Yeah. I like the. <laughs> I like the. Uh, I, I like the second half of it. I thought it got interesting when uh, that. Um, Will Oldham, the singer, had that scene where he talks about like the the meaningless of his dialogue, yeah, his monologue. meaninglessness of life and whatnot. Mm. Uh, I thought that was the best part of the movie was him, and I think the I don't know it kind of gets interesting when uh, the ghost starts like moving through time more more rapidly. Yeah. but um, I can I, I was also pretty bored in the first half of that movie. It was. I don't. I don't know what exactly it was trying to say about loneliness or maybe grief, but it didn't quite hit the spot. Whatever it was aiming for, at least with me. Although maybe Rooney Mara is still really good, and even like when I don't like the movie she's in, she still gives good performances yeah. in them. But uh, yeah, she's great. 
but yeah, so yeah, TJ really liked the movie, Chris really disliked the movie, and I'm just firmly in the middle on it. <laughs> a little more toward Chris. Yeah. <laughs> a little more towards Chris? Yeah. Yeah. I saw, Sorry. I rewatched The Game, the David Fincher 1997 movie with Michael Douglas. I've still never seen it. Love that movie, man. Yeah, that is, that great. is a, been, a great, tense movie. Brent's been recommending it to me for years now. Never caught it. Yeah. What's it streaming on? It is, I want to say on Stars. Okay. Um, the one page channel I have. <laughs> uh, first time watch, also from 1997. I don't know if I was on like a movies from 21 years ago. Some nostalgic kick. back to when you yeah. were 13. Did but, the Oracle come out of the cl- like they come out from storage? And <laughs> she was like, came out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like the, watch Battle of the Sexes. The hexing spell was all the Affleck stuff. <laughs> it's worn off. Um, this is the first time I watched Donnie Brasco. I'd never seen Donnie Brasco oh, nice. before. Donnie Brasco's good movie. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was really good. It was not what I expected it to be. I, I thought it was going to be like just a super mob movie uh, with, uh, especially with all the forget about it's in yeah. that movie. Oh my god, the forget about it's are so pervasive in that movie. I feel like that may have been where that like started as a thing. Um, but it wound up being more about like being. Uh, it's just, I mean, it had a mob framing, but it's, it's more about just like being upset when you're not climbing the corporate ladder, which is like Al Pacino's mm-hmm. situation in that movie. Yeah. And he's just, he keeps getting passed over for promotions and it winds up being partially about that and also just about friendship. Like when, when you find friendship and when you're in an unexpected place, at least from, from Johnny Depp's. Or uh, Donnie Brasco's perspective, which I thought was really, really good. I really liked that movie. Yeah. Um, also, this is another movie I'm going to strongly recommend. It's on Amazon Prime. It's a. Depending on the source, this came out in 1989 or 1991. <laughs> I actually, there's the sources on the internet cannot seem to agree. Uh, it's called Terror in Beverly Hills. It stars Frank Stallone as uh, I forget what is. The, last name is but his first name is hack um truck saw he's a he's a, he is referred to as both a marine and a green beret <laughs> nice uh the plot is uh, some some palestinian terrorists come to beverly hills to kidnap the president's daughter all right and hold her hostage so that they will release uh, so that They'll force uh, will force Israel to release fifty five Palestinian you know brothers of theirs, yeah. and it is one of the worst movies ever made. It is <laughs> it is gloriously bad, and and it has Frank Stallone though. It, right, so. despite having Frank Stallone, does he sing a song in the soundtrack? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. He's also not really in a whole lot of the movie. I think because <laughs> I, I'd heard a. A story about this movie before I watched it, and this the, they said that Frank Stallone was the star, but then he quit the movie halfway through filming because they weren't paying him anything. Hackstone, Hackstone, that's it. Wow, I got so close. Oh no, that's Hackstone. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I should just like make a little two list with like check boxes to see before I should watch a movie that's like, does it have Frank Stallone in it? Yep. Does it have a Wikipedia page? Nope. <laughs> so don't watch it. <laughs> so. uh no, but yeah, if you want if you want like a fun activity of like to just do your own mystery science theater at home with a movie, this is a great movie for it. It's really fun. Uh, they, they they hold her hostage, they keep her in an old in in quote, the old bean factory. 
That's where all the action goes down. Is the like, factory old or are they making old beans? I'm not sure. <laughs> At one point, I think it's I think it's Frank. I think it's uh, Hackstone who walks through and actually like gets a bean and eats it. <laughs> like it's, it's, like real world building the product. Real world world building. Man, so some guy named William Smith, not Will Smith, plays the role of president. Then <laughs> the Vasugi siblings play what I assume are terrorists. Named Abdul and Muhammad. Abdul and Muhammad are introduced in the first couple minutes. It was it was the most. They clearly didn't speak to anyone from the Middle East to find out what other names could be for the Middle East. Yep. This this movie is. Uh... There's a third character to be like Abhamid. Mugdul. Muldul. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... Yeah, why do you watch that? <laughs> it was. Uh, I heard about it on a podcast of, where they were talking about like the inspired by the room. And uh, okay. and disaster artists and whatnot. So they were talking about the worst movies ever made, and this this came up, and they said it was streaming on Amazon, which apparently bad movie enthusiasts are super excited about because it's been difficult for like twenty years to find audio, like an, uh, a version of this movie with decent audio. And so like it'd be better if it was silent, maybe. <laughs> oh no, uh, these 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 line deliveries are hilariously bad. So they deserve four K. Yeah, if if that's something you're into. Watching, you know, just laughing at how bad a movie is. My wife and I loved it. She oh, wow. had so much fun. Nice. Yeah. Oh, watched one more movie. It's a documentary. I want to get the name right. Watched the documentary Drunk, Stoned, Brilliant Dead, the story of the National Lampoon, which was, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, as far as the documentary goes, it was fine. It was, but if, if you're interested in the subject matter, it was interesting. And I was, and it was... It was a, an entertaining little watch. There's cool. a narrative film coming out this year also about Doug Stone. Is that the guy? Doug Kinney? Doug Kinney. Yeah, Doug Kinney. Yeah. Hackstone. Hackstone <laughs> um, Ridge. But it's coming out. It's an original Netflix movie about that, too. I think, uh, what's his face? Will Forte plays uh, Doug Kinney. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I would, I could actually see him in that role really easily. That, that'd be, be a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, if you're ever if you enjoy the old National Lampoon stuff, or if you like early SNL seasons, because a lot of the cast shows up in in, the, yeah. in that, that's that's pretty cool. They they've got some decent old footage of Second City shows with the Murray brothers hmm. and uh, Gilda Radner, Chevy Chase, and John Belushi, which is really cool. Wow. Yeah. Neat. Anyway, that's it. As for TV, just watching old Survivors. <laughs> you know. I'm on, season, I'm on season 10. I'm in Palau right now. Aren't we all? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I wanted to jump in, if you didn't have that documentary, because we recently Mystery Science Theater, a movie too, by accident, because we were at a friend's party, and someone said, put something crazy on. Uh, yeah. So a guy just spoke into their, into their TV remote and went, Planet Dinosaurs. <laughs> and so the 1977 movie Planet of Dinosaurs came on, and we watched a little bit of that. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I left it off my watch list because I've yet to finish the movie. Uh, yeah, me and Sandra didn't finish it. We watched a lot of it. But it uh, it was like renowned for its special effects at the time. It won a Saturn Award yeah, for it, the dinosaurs. Yeah, they basically paid the actors like nothing. 
Because all the money went to yeah. the special effects. He, just, he started driving out from uh, Los Angeles until he got... Chris made the joke and then I read that he actually did that. They just drove just three like, hours east. This will work. <laughs> Do it yeah. Um, but it's really... it's. I mean, it's a, it's a creature horror. Like, really lots cool. of movies in the 70s. Yeah. Um, but, whatever. It's on, it's on YouTube. I don't think I've talked about Wonder Wheel yet. You have not. No. So, I saw Wonder Wheel. The Woody Allen movie? The Woody Allen movie. Um, with a Belushi and a Winslet and a very large-eyed woman. And it's not very good. Do you know Temple? Yes. Um, I, I already don't have a lot of experience with Woody Allen's catalog. Um, you know, I've seen probably some of like the highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there were a movie that were more tone-deaf to... You know this the the like the way that we all live our lives today. Hmm. Like I I I wouldn't watch it. Um, and if I knew that Wonder Wheel was going to be that, uh, I also wouldn't watch it. Um, Sounds like a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> it's like it's a his style is just calcified. Does everything have like jazz music over it too? Yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's like music stopped with jazz with him every. Damn movie. Well, it's 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 Belushi's character. He has a daughter who surprisingly comes to stay with him on Coney Island um, because she married someone in the mob but ran away, and now they want her back. Um, she she was an informant for the FBI, um, or was an informant. It's just, you know they don't ever say informant. They don't ever say anything. She goes, she's a stoolie. You can't trust her. She's a stoolie. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it's just them them living on Coney Island. Justin Timberlake is a lifeguard who is having an affair with both Kate Winslet and also trying to gain the affection of Juno Temple's character. Um, and it's all narrated by Justin Timberlake, who's this smarmy lifeguard who's already getting into some like uh, like Ivy League school. So he's he's like reading uh, like plays and literature and always compares people to what he's reading, and it's just. I don't know. It's just like it. It feels like a high school drama uh, <laughs> that they like, like a high school play that they were like they took a chance on and made into a movie because the dialogue's just so so ridiculous. I mean, Belushi's character for twenty minutes in the opening, all he does is stumble around uh, the like the, their little like apartment, which is underneath the giant Ferris wheel. Does he have like just like a white wife beater with suspenders and stuff? Yes, like the whole time. Yeah, that's that's what I would imagine. Yeah, um, just going like, oh god, I need a drink. Oh, this is so stressful. I need a drink, and that's all he does <laughs> for twenty minutes. Uh, and Kate Winslet uh, occasionally like yelling at him like, "You quit the stuff. Like you're not allowed to drink. You know you're not allowed to drink." It's just it's so fucking hammy. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, the production design is beautiful. The cinematography is really good. I mean, they're underneath the Ferris wheel at Coney Island, so there's like, you know, constantly light being cast down through the windows on characters in probably meaningful ways. But at that point, I had just lost so much interest in right. any of the well-being of any of the characters um, that I didn't really give a shit. Um, so, Wonder Wheel. That's how I'm going to cap everything off. It's going to be like a spelling bee. <laughs> it should be a wonder off. Bright. I thought the movie wasn't that impressive. Bright. <laughs>
Yeah, so I don't know. Wonder Wheel. Maybe I'm illiterate with Woody Allen, but. No, he's super hit or miss, man. He'll make a stinker one year and then make a brilliant film the next. I would be hard pressed to find. I, I, I don't see how this could be considered anything but a miss. Yeah. It's just. It's it's rough. Like, I don't, I don't know if. if so maybe something is lost by making a piece in the 50s in Coney Island and also his like snappy dialogue where it just seems so trite. It's like, you know, if I ask all three of you separately to do an impression of like, you know, like a mobster from the 20s, you do the exact same impression. Right. It's like, they're like, do an impression, like everyone do a character on Coney Island in the 50s and they all sound like, like you could have all their arguments in your head and it's just ineffective at portraying any emotion. Nice. Um, give me codes. <laughs> anyway, I also watched Bright. Uh, I watched Battle of the Sexes we talked about and I watched The Post. So I'm going to skip those. I watched Bright. Um, Joel Edgerton makes really good work. He does. He's uh, really good in it. Will Smith is um, okay. Yeah. He, um, I thought it was interesting. I'm glad that uh, that it's getting a sequel. I like The World. I know you guys have talked about that. Definitely a centaur cop. It's not a policeman riding a horse. Uh, I made sure to. Yeah. <laughs> you see a dragon? It's saw the dragon. Yeah, no. Yeah, not a lot to say about it other than it wasn't as bad as I thought it could be. I would probably like it better as a book. Yeah. <laughs> That's. I did have a lot of respect for them just universe dropping me, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the fairy not thing. Over explaining everything. Was really good. Um, really good. Really good pace setter. Um, especially with Will Smith able to deliver his pithy shit to the yeah. people next door, like y'all keep doing your gangster shit. Yeah, like don't worry, just trying to sell a house here. <laughs> you know, you, you you have to create a villain in something like this, and the the, the two entities that become the villains mm-hmm. were kind of eye rolly. But it's a fantasy movie. It just is a fantasy movie that takes place in L.A. as opposed to Middle Earth. Right. So like, you know, the racist cops are the riders of Rohan. Like, and and I get that. Like those guys have to be, like, ridiculously racist yeah. mm-hmm. uh, towards the orcs, but whatever. It's it, weird it, to see the, the guy from Mindy Project. Yeah. I forgot his name. But just be, like, virulently racist. Especially, like, it's funny because he's like, says a bunch of racist shit about, you know, Jacoby, and then he's like, my ancestors have been slaying them for 2,000 years. And it's like, oh, that's right. Cause the, like, <laughs> the longest claim that anyone in the U.S. has for racism is, like, 250 years. Right. Like, yeah. like, man, that could be some real fucking, like, <laughs> like family, like, more than the Hatfields and the McCoys. Right. Like, it's some some true historical shit that could have gone on between these, you know, obviously divergent and, like, biologically very different, like, beings living, trying to live harmoniously. Right. Um, but anyway, we've already talked a lot about Bright, and I've talked too much about it. Uh, last thing I want to say, I love when they drove through the Elf Town. Mm. Um, oh yeah, like with all like the sleek skyscrapers and like the like even high the, future world. Even the guardrails along the median are, are like gilded, gilded with gold. Yeah, and shiny. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool touch, and you know, probably where this where the the series will end up since this has already been greenlit for at least one more movie. Right. Um, It'd be nice if there was a different writer for the second one. I think it's already going to be David Ayer for Good or Ill, mm-hmm. the director of Suicide Squad fame. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I, it's Max Landis, so I don't know what he's really doing nowadays. Right. I don't know how, what kind of impact any of the 
abuse allegations are going to have on him. You know, we'll see. I'm excited for the second one. I watched Justice League. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Flash. I thought they, they they cast him well, and I think they they write for him well. It's kind of the he's the Spider Man from uh, Civil War or the Quicksilver from X Men. No, but like the 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 role that he plays in the team is like. You know, the young kid who's kind of astonished, like, I'm fighting next to yeah. Superman. They're celebrities. Are, let yeah. me ask, do you know, I've, I've been wondering this, and I've just haven't gotten around to looking it up. Are, do you, are, the, are most of the DC characters newer or older than their, like, Marvel counterparts? So if there's Flash and Spider-Man, Aquaman and Thor. Um, DC's I, older for a lot of it. It's yeah. older for a lot of it because, but there's some... Um, there, there was, there's basically an arms race that happened at some point between DC and X-Men, where X-Men would come out with a character like Pyro, who was like, oh, it's a mutant who can manipulate fire. And then DC would come out with a character like the next issue yeah. that was like Flame Man. Yeah. And like, so they just like kept like, you know, escalating. Because then when Flame Man came out, they'd come out with, you know, Ice Boy. And then Iceman comes out in X-Men. I was just thinking that, like, when I watched it, I kept thinking, like, man, these are such, like, they feel like rip-offs of the Marvel movie versions of yeah. those characters. Like, Aquaman is just clearly Thor. Yeah. And he, uh, Spider-Man, or uh, Flash is clearly the Spider-Man. Even, uh... Who's Cyborg? Iron Man? Hawkeye? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Wonder Woman is Captain well, America. Bat- Batman is Iron Man. Millionaire playboy using technology. Yeah. And there is a really like groany line where the where the Flash gets into Batmobile and is like, cool, so wait, like you don't have any powers, do you? And he goes, I'm rich. And then closes the fucking Batmobile. <laughs> They should just give up and join, funny if he was like, join the MCU. I'm at rich, some point. <laughs> The writing in that movie is so bad. It's 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 rough. Even though the plot of the movie is so bad, like it, they got Joss Whedon to come in and like help finish the movie, and yeah. they clearly were like, just make this as much like the Avengers as you can. So he's like, okay, well, what did you like about the Avengers? And they're like, we like that cube thing. <laughs> he's like, all right, well, we'll do. Boxes this time. How about three? Three. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a, a a stand-in name for the boxes for now, but remember to change them. <laughs> and then they start. And they like like go to production, and they comes out in the theaters. They're like, oh shit, <laughs> they're still called mother boxes. <laughs> the villain Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf just just so generic. So one thing that I did like from it with Steppenwolf is that they. One of my problems with the DC Universe, DCEU, I guess, is it doesn't feel like a universe. It feels like a series of movies. When you watch a Marvel movie, there's hints, there's you know expansions on it every time they make a movie. Mm-hmm. But it feels like they tell a singular story with every next superhero movie in DC. Yeah. Um, I think Wonder Woman is still no exception to this, but it isn't faulted for it. But... For the first time in the Justice League, they made like references to other characters and other things going on in the universe. So it doesn't just seem like the whole world is Gotham and Metropolis and Capital City. It's like they they mention that like like Steppenwolf and like he shows up and someone's like he is the harbinger of Darkseid. And it's like, okay, that's a name that I know. That's the big bad evil, that's the Thanos of the DC universe. Like, that's cool. That's the kind of shit that I want as 
like a casual comic book fan, mm-hmm. watching a movie like this where you bring together as many superheroes as humanly possible, like, don't include Darkseid, but mention him. Say that he's this impending threat. Say that Steppenwolf is related to Darkseid. Say that Steppenwolf is born to be wild. Yes. <laughs> I think it's like, it's. I think about movies like this, and I think like, it's so close to. I feel like they're they're not that far away from it being a good movie. They're really not. The cast is there. Like I really like the whole cast. I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I thought he was given the best lines and the best moments in the movie. Yeah, and is really entertaining. I thought Ezra Miller was great as the Flash. Mm-hmm. I actually think Ben Affleck's a great Bruce Wayne. I don't think he's good as Batman in this movie. I think he's good. He he was fine as Batman in the previous two outings, but I mean, yeah. what like. Batman is supposed to be the leader, and the whole movie is waiting around for the actual leader to show up. Yeah. Is, because, like, no spoilers of a movie that's out for this long now, but... Um, also, spoil the word spoil in, implies quality. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we don't have to spend too much longer on Justice League, but yeah. it's... it's I feel like if, with a, just a... They are a, a good script away from a good movie there. Yeah. I made Wonder Woman. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, it's possible. It's not the universe. That's not the problem. No, I, I really started to think that maybe just Zack Snyder's the problem. Yeah, which is he can do the moments, but he can't do haven't the movie. We, haven't we all been saying that though? Yep. Yeah. Why hasn't? And then like bringing in Josh Whedon is so weird because it's like why well, bring in the guy who literally made like a movie that most people think is it's like one of the top five superhero movies of all time with the Avengers. Yeah. Like why bring him in to be like yeah make this just like that and he's gonna be like oh, I'll do that. <laughs> like. I'm surprised he wanted his like actual name attached to it. Yeah, he must have been paid like a ton of money. I'm sure, he was just yeah. It's check. weird how like it's how much it feels like an Avengers ripoff. Yeah, like with well, with plot elements yeah. even, which is just it should have been so obvious to them from the beginning that it was going to seem that way. I just feel like yeah. they keep doing stuff for the wrong reasons. They didn't get Whedon because he's a great writer and director. If you think that he is, but they got him just because they wanted the name attached to it, and it's just like, but but. That's the thing, though, is that we get to sit here and have our, our conversations about whether DC movies are good or bad, but any production company who backs a DC movie does not give a shit. Their worst movies right. still make like a kajillion fucking Yeah, especially dollars. overseas. Yeah. Yeah. DC's raking it overseas. Yeah, it's the Transformers so. shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's like... They don't care. If, if I'm, if I'm a, a studio exec, like... Why do I pay money for like someone to write me a good script when it doesn't matter? I you know can sell shit as chocolate and people are fucking eating it. Damn, <laughs> disturbing analogy. Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw Itania. I spent a lot of time talking about Itania, and we did as a group in the top ten and in the Oscar predictions. Itania is really good. Um, it's it's about. For me, it's in that in that that middle class uh, of Oscar movies this year. I thought it was really good. The performances were great. I understand why people love it. Um, maybe not my favorite of the year. Um, obviously, by my top ten, uh, but it's great. Well acted. Allison Janney's fantastic. Mar- Margot Robbie's really good. Sebastian Stan, who I hear now is getting more love for his supporting actor role. Yeah, you could sneak in. Um, and that'd be fantastic. He's really he was. Good. I think. I think when I say surprise, it's only because I haven't heard you guys or anyone else have Sebastian Stan in their conversation. But he was the performance that surprised me the most. Um, you know, I was anticipating Janney to be great and Robbie to act her face off, and they, you know, mm-hmm. they held to it. Um, but he was really good. Um, 
you know, the way the story's told, very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was young enough that at the time when I heard the news, I thought that, you know, Tanya Harding, uh, you know, took a sledgehammer to Nancy Kerrigan's knee. Yeah, we talked about that. They have that line in the movie. Yeah. It's like, some people think that I actually, like, did it myself. And it's yeah. like, that was, that was eight-year-old me. I yeah. thought that. Yeah, but it's 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 really good. It's it's a movie that I wouldn't that that I'm happy I didn't miss. Um, I saw the post. TJ talked about it already. Basically, I think we're on the same page with that. Um, and then two movies that I haven't talked about at all yet, but TJ's talked about both of them. The first one came out in 2017. A lot of buzz about it. Getting a sequel. Uh, Rough Night. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's no buzz about it. Um. <laughs> I saw Rough Night just on TV, and I watched it, and it's okay. Yeah, um, it's kind of a goofy comedy. Uh, it's a Scarlett Johansson movie. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, the the person, the only person whose reviews I read on Letterboxd uh, goes by the moniker Brat Pitt, mm. and she, I think her review was like cons the entire movie, pros there is an honest romantic relationship between Zoe Kravitz and Alana Glazer. Yeah. <laughs> um, that but, was like one of the highlights for them too. Yeah. But. Kate McKinnon's Australian accent, accent is puzzling. It's weird. <laughs> it's real weird. Uh, and. I'm, I'm looking for the, the movie role where she's going to be like a herself. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's, she's nice in interviews and, and stuff like that but she's always got like any movie I've ever seen her in, she's putting on a character. Like Ghostbusters Three is such a character. It's that SNL shit, man. It's just hard to break that. Like Kristen Wiig did such a good job transitioning from that, but most people have a hard time. Yeah, that. I mean Tim Meadows. Now I, I rewatched part of Never Stop Stopping, but we can't talk about that every time we watch it because we all watch <laughs> it a lot. Uh, but Tim Meadows, from like Dewey Cox on, kind of in his later years, just. Kind of plays himself. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and it's fantastic. <laughs> it would never stop, never stop, never stopping. It's so good when he hits somebody, turns around, he's like, "Ooh, <laughs> did you see that?" So good. Uh, yeah, rough night is rough. Yep. My favorite part. <laughs> my favorite part is the guy from Broad City who's in it, who plays the uh, who tries to sad astronaut Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> yeah. puts on the diaper and drives cross country to. Because <laughs> as he's asking her if she still wants to marry him, someone is taking her phone away. She goes, "No," and so he's he's like, "I'm going to sad astronaut her," and puts on a diaper and gets in his car. Um, especially one of my favorite moments is when he's at the truck stop because he's lost his wallet or something, and he's trying to get some money for gas for his car. And there's a trucker <laughs> who's like, "You know, I'll sell you some meth." Like, oh, well, will you, will you suck me off? And he's like, no, no, none of that. <laughs> and he goes inside, and like, there's a guy who's like, hey, like, let me give you a blowjob. <laughs> and he's like, actually, <laughs> I have someone I want to introduce you to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then I saw The Shape of Water. How was it? It was good. What shape was it? Uh, whatever you put it in. Um... This is also in my I, Tanya group. It was a really good movie. Really well acted. Richard Jenkins is great. Michael Stuhlbarg, Michael Shannon, um, Michael Hawkins. Uh, no, Sally Hawkins. They're all great in it. Octavia Spencer is really good. It's very interesting story. Um, <laughs> at a certain point, Kelly was on. She, she wasn't paying attention. 
And she was like, did they do the fish sex yet? And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, and they just like, like off camera, they just did it. She was like, oh, really? Now I have to rewatch it. <laughs> um, but, so that's a little strange. Um, just like the romance between a, a human person and a fish person. Um, we also are pretty, pretty su- firmly in the camp that this is the origin story of Abe Zapian from Hellboy. And I don't <laughs> care what anyone says. <laughs> um, but... Anyway, I started talking like I gave a shit about talking about movies, and then <laughs> talking about fish sex and Abe Sapien. Um, but no, so Shape of Water is really good. Guillermo del Toro deserves all the praise he's getting. Um, it's a cool movie. Uh, I think that I said that um, this was a weak year for romantic comedies, and I hadn't seen Shape of Water yet. And not that it's heavy on the comedy side, but it's very heavy on the romance side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's good. Uh, Michael Shannon, uh, one of the best uh, villains of the year. Um, the role like written for him almost. Has everyone here seen The Shape of Water or it's just DJ and I? I haven't seen that. Oh, the oh god. There's there's some some body horror that happens with Michael Shannon that's uh, just like really really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, it's you know you know when it's coming. It's not hidden and it's 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 ever present. Um, and it's just gross. Great, sa- great sound work. Oh God! I'll yeah. say. Um, but Shape of Water was really good. Um, probably would not top my crack, crack my top ten of the year. Um, but really good, nonetheless. And then I'll wrap up by just saying that I'm still playing Breath of the Wild, still loving the game. I finally reached a point where I can handle some some end game challenges. Uh, probably about fifty five hours in, maybe sixty. Um, I'm kind of doing the shrine hunt now to, to get all those um, because you unlock a tunic if you get all the shrines. And there's 120 shrines, and I figure if I did it in Mario 64 when I was like 13 years old, <laughs> I can do it in this game when I'm fucking 30. TJ and I played a game called Snipper Clips. Let's cut it, cut it out together. Uh, it's a fun little game. It's a, kind of a puzzle game where you are a shape, and you can cut other people, um, and you have puzzles that you have to solve. Um based on like what your shape is there'll be like a bunch of goo that fills the middle of the screen and you have to like keep it in this container but if you don't then it kind of just balloons out in this weird shape and so you cut yourself into like you know edges of a box and um i don't know it's really fine it's 20 bucks i feel like if you've got a switch and you've got the joy con for it it's a it's it's worth the you know time that you would the time and money you would spend doing something else for a couple hours for four people but snipper clips Still loving my Switch. Bingo, bango. It was a fun game. It was, uh, we play it with a group of four that play a lot of co-op together. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, pretty easy for us. We probably ran through it in how long? A little over an hour of actual was, play. Yeah, it was, it was more than that. We got a little... I mean, we stopped kind of. We, we also did one with three people with one person in the way. So. <laughs> yeah, where <laughs> Kelly was busy. She was in the kitchen doing stuff. And we just kept, like, pushing her character around. <laughs> it added an, uh, an obstacle to it. Um, but there are a couple that were that really tripped us up. So, like, the bird one. We spent a lot of time on that. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. And that's our watch list and playlist. Probably there's some TV in there. I know that we could talk Vendettas. We could talk Top Chef. But really not that interesting of a week. If, if Top, you... Chef, uh, Top Chef is okay. The Olympic medal thing. Yeah. First uh, grudge of the... 
season, I guess. Tanya boiling, and Claudette. Boiling over. Yeah. But, I mean, it's really kind of manufactured at this point. Yeah, it's it was it was a weird... So there was, they did an Olympic event where you had to have... It was three-person teams, three teams. One person had to do speed, one person had to do precision, and one person had to do freestyle. And for speed, they had to do a full dish in 45 minutes. And for precision, they had to do, like, these really technic- technical cuts on three different things. And these two chefs were bickering the entire time about who helped who more and who has time to help the other. And in the end, the two of them had the judge's least favorite dishes because all they did was, like, bicker and bitch and moan at each other. Mm-hmm. And one of them went home and like the weirdest judges table where they asked like one person their story and they threw the other person on the bus. They asked the other person their story and they were just like, no, I'm over it. I'm not doing it. With the smile and shaking her head. Yeah. Now they're like, I think it's the first time anyone ever said no. Yeah. Just like, just wouldn't talk about it. Um, it was bizarre, but then lashing out at people after the judges table when they're awaiting deliberation. Yeah. Cause there's a group of big dudes who call themselves the bears who all sleep in one room of the house because they all have sleep apnea machines. Um, <laughs> they, hi- they hibernate together. <laughs> yeah. So, like, they were doing their thing where they're like... Just waiting for that porch challenge. <laughs> <laughs> they made some joke about, like, bears, and she just, like, lashed at them. She's like, you know, not everyone wants to hear you guys talk all the time. You dominate when you guys win challenges, and you dominate the conversation when you lose challenges. I've just had it. And it's this kind of fair. Other, and this other woman jumps in and she's like, she's like, yeah, you know, like agreeing with her. And then she lashes out at her. She's like, Carrie, not everyone has the same worldview as you. Thanks. <laughs> I think she said like, check your privilege and get woke or something. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. But I just yeah. love that argument. Like, not everybody wants to hear you talk all the time. It's like, well, fucking sorry. I'm on TV. <laughs> talk all the fuck I want to. Or yeah. vote me off the island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the thing she's got no control over it she just has to cook better than them forever yeah. but yeah. yeah I guess that was that was bizarre it was alright it was a nice challenge tie in though because they had an Olympic skier who was on champs versus pros tramps really? tramps yeah. <laughs> <laughs> champs versus tramps the new season it is weird with like how Easy do race. celebrity judges like bear in the competition at all you got this, like, uh, like um, what, what was her? She's, like, an ice dancer or something? Yeah. Like, ice dancing? It's like, what the fuck do you know about, like, judging a risotto? And her score goes into whether someone goes home or not. Same I just, thing, I like... I would just fight the same score for everybody if they made me be a judge. Eight. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Eight. Everybody gets a ten. It's all delicious. I'm sure it's all great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how can you complain? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, who gives a shit about your palate? You're an ice dancer. <laughs> What'd you watch, David? I taught you. <laughs> I watched uh, I watched a couple things. Uh, I'll pare it down because we're going a little long. Um, I saw a small Netflix movie, Mr. Roosevelt. Yeah. You guys seen that? Yeah. My wife watched it. Yeah, she really liked it. Yeah, it's it's uh, super winning. Uh, it's a Noel Wells uh, she was in uh, oh, yeah. Master of None. Yeah, she wrote, directed, and starred in this movie. Fun. It's very like, here's my indie movie. It's like a uh, comedian in L.A. comes back to her home in Austin, Texas. The cat that she has with her ex-boyfriend uh, 
passes away. So she's kind of like back in her old old life and kind of thinking about her new life and stuff. Is the cat's name Mr. Roosevelt? Yes. Okay. That's the titular Mr. Roosevelt. <laughs> but, uh... It sounds so indie. It's like a struggling comedian in L.A. goes home to Austin. <laughs> yep. It's like, jeez. Where her cat that her ex-boyfriend took from her has passed away. Thus, why she's home in Austin. And they, they do some funny stuff with the Austin-ness of it. Yeah. Uh, like how self-consciously weird it is. Um, but really, I mean, you watch it for Noah Wells, and she's... A delight, I'm sure. She's a delight, yeah. Sweet. And it's also got Nick Thune in it. I don't know if you guys know his comedy. Thick Noon, the album is yep. really funny. He's a real deadpan in it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Doing his thing. Put it on the watch list. When did um, the movie come out? 2017. Sweet. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I remember she was like hitting a lot of podcasts back in the early part of the year last year to promote it and whatnot. Yeah, she's on Dead Loves Movies is where I heard about it. Mm-hmm. I saw it pop up on Netflix. I was like, ah, yeah. I'll watch it. I've seen it rearing its head on Just Watch for a while. And from, yep. from the title and the name, I'm just like, eh. But I'm glad to hear that you recommend it. Yep. I also saw a um, slightly bigger movie, uh, Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> cool. uh, hot Take Alert. I also loved it. Yay! <laughs> Another uh, thing, I won't talk too much about it. Chris gave a very eloquent uh, position on the movie being essential, but I probably, we probably did the list too early, or I didn't see it uh, early enough for the list. It probably is in my top five right now. Even though it's like almost three hours, it like flies by with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Anything else I want to say about it? It was really good. I recommend it. Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> uh, and then just a couple TV shows I watched. I watched. I've been watching Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Yeah. It just is what it is. Yeah. I feel a little bit embarrassed to be watching it. Just because it's so like such a privileged mo- yeah. privileged show. I forget. Great, are you, are you catching up on, from like the beginning or are you... Uh, did you watch it back when it was on Crackle? No, I never saw it before because uh, car enthusiasm is such like a obstacle for me. All right. I, I have none of that. There's not a lot of being. that. Yeah, it's like the first Third. minute where he describes the car. You yeah. can almost like just do a 30 second fast forward if you're watching it on a laptop or something. And then I just love comedians talking about comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it goes some interesting places when there's a non-comedian. Like there's, I feel like, and it's not... It's probably not real, but I feel like there's a l- some discomfort between Jerry and the com- the non-comedian because, like, it's so outside the formula of what the show does well. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't stray there very often. No, I think Barack Obama is probably the biggest stray he does. Mm-hmm. But he said he had some clips from him at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. He can at least deliver jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a funny, um, funny setup for that episode. Mother Richards one is hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, I did. It's it's the yeah. Michael Richards is like doing so much shtick in the middle of it. Well, apparently that was like real. He's you know he hasn't worked since the racist thing. No, he's doing shtick like this is his moment on this TV show, and he's like going trying to be zany Kramer again. It's uncomfortable. Was it Sphinx? What boxer is he trying to go see? Sphinx. Yeah, not Sphinx. It's like a punch-out villain. Yeah. <laughs> the Sphinx. Anyway, he's trying to go see some boxer, and he's like, yeah, he lives right up here. Let's go see him. Oh, like, Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard. Mm. And he like, Jerry's like, really? Like, okay. So we're just like, welcome to Sugar Ray Leonard's door. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he lives right here. And he knocks on the door. And some guy Jerry knows, like an old producer, walks up behind him, and he's like, what are y'all doing here? He's like, 
Michael says he knows Sugar Ray Leonard. We're going to see him. He's like, this is Jay Moore's house. This <laughs> <laughs> dog runs outside and barks. And Jay was like, we should leave. <laughs> Michael Richards, I'm so sorry. I thought that was his house. It's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but uh, a lot of it is just really low tempo, kind of just comfort watch stuff. Yeah. Um, entertaining. The car he picks for Michael Richards is really funny, though. He picks all these like beautiful oh, yeah. little sports cars. He says, "I'm gonna rust it out VW bus." Yeah. <laughs> I love the one that he picks for Norm too. It's like it's his car that he drives around, and it's like beat up and worn. But Norm is like Norm McDonald's like six foot four, trying to get in this like tiny car that Jerry <laughs> drives around. Every time he gets in, he's like, "Oh my god, Jerry!" The Norm <laughs> episode is just so great. Just yeah. him saying anything is. He's yeah. just got a great delivery for it. Yeah. Uh, and the only other TV show I watched, I watched because uh, I loved People vs. OJ. I started the assassination of Gianni Versace. Because I was watching that. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's definitely a different atmosphere from the other show, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, I really like it so far. Yeah, she's a big fan. Yeah, it's heavy getting you into like the culture of like '90s Miami, which is pretty entertaining. Like everything is like gilded but not real, and like Elf the Town. club scene. Yeah, it's kind of Elf Town. Um, it's really good uh, setting up that atmosphere. And uh, the guy playing the person who assassinates Gianni Versace is... I hate him so much, so I guess he's good. <laughs> and I guess you're not supposed to... This, this serial killer's not supposed to be your favorite guy. The assassin. Titular assassin. Andrew Kananen? Is yeah. That his name? Yeah. And he's played by some guy who was on Glee. Hmm. Uh, I forgot his name. But every time I think of, I say, like, the assassination of Johnny Versace by the coward Robert Ford. <laughs> it's really entertaining, and uh, Penelope Cruz is very good as Donatella Versace. Yeah, um, yeah it's just, uh, it's very cinematic feeling. Um, very, very putting you in the place. That team's got another show, like, just around the bend. They're doing the Tupac and Biggie story, too. And it's the, it's the same folks, the American Crime Yep, American well, Crime Story. And the uh, they were supposed to have the Hurricane Katrina one come out this year, but they they kind of like were self consciously they like uh, said move. we're gonna wait until we can get like an African American showrunner for this and get more voices because there's a bunch of white people writing a Hurricane Katrina. Thing. We're gonna tell you how Hurricane Katrina was. Also, it feels a little weird. Like, let's get power back to Puerto Rico. Yeah, and this is not like a time capsule. We didn't record this like months ago. Like, it's still not on in Puerto Rico for like most of the country, the state, whatever territory. Yeah. yeah. So I took a pass on that and, and fast forwarded to Gianni Versace, but it, it's good. Cool. I recommend it. Breezy? On them streets? I got a few little nuggets. I was saying the serious one then for a little later. There was a film filmed in secret, a fourth sequel in a franchise. Anybody hear about this? Yeah. A Crocodile Dundee movie. Okay, wait. I, I am re- from what I've read. There's debate as to whether it is it, it is real or if this is if these trailers are all some stunt for the Super Bowl for like some product. The I, tra- mean, I saw the trailer. It's got a website. It's got a website. It's yeah, but we've got a website. That's true. <laughs> yeah, most of the, the Super time. Bowl. Um, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Danny McBride as the son of Dundee. Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen it. It's called Dundee. Is, is Paul Hogan still alive? Yeah. All right, cool. That'd be awesome if Paul Hogan could be in it, too, if it is a movie. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I don't know. There seems to be some debate as to whether this exists or not. But it's kind of amazing that, like, either is very possible. <laughs> like... Either I mean, either this is a real movie and they record and they filmed it in secret. It seems it seems unlikely because Danny McBride is so wrapped up in the uh, what's the horror movie he's doing Halloween. Halloween and also in Principles, the show on HBO. Yeah, what ended? Yeah, but I mean, like if you if you think about like what has Danny McBride been doing the past two years? Like, right, right. It, was, did he have time to go on location to Australia right. and film a bunch of scenes? Um, but at the same time, he definitely took the time to go there and film a trailer, at least. Which is crazy if this is all some, like, Dr. Pepper ad or something. And that would be... He does Mountain Dew. He wouldn't do Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> um, I saw that. Yeah, that was... Go check out that trailer and see what you think. Cause, uh... Yeah, I mean, if, they, if it's fake, it's they did a good job. Yeah. Because it's got, it's got Summer 18 on the website. Like, I don't know. Um, also, though, on a flip note, apparently the best movie of all time has come out. We haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. Yeah, but, I saw this. Yeah, Paddington 2. <laughs> I yeah. kind of made fun of the Baptist for saying, like, Paddington 2 is one of the greatest movies of the year. Critics love it, man. It's apparently really good. Mm-hmm. The first one's really good. I, I just And I heard that there's, like, a parable for the Brexit, Brexit yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the... Was it... 100%. I think it's up to 300 reviews now on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's, it's, it's up to 300%. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who's recommending people go see it, the people they recommended to have seen it three times. <laughs> and they eat marmalade. So that counts for more. I got it. Is it still, it's still at 100%. Yeah. Yeah. With more. We're going to see it in the theater soon. I, I, I still haven't seen the first Paddington, so uh, I need to see that soon so that I can follow along. It's like. I don't want to watch Godfather 2 before I've watched Godfather. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, you don't want to miss some of the world building in Paddington right, 1. Right. That pays off. <laughs> Maybe I misspoke when I said that 2049 was the way to write a sequel. <laughs> uh, third thing I want to bring up, though, is on the um, a little more serious note. Uh, see Scott Johansson's payday for Black Widow. It's the highest for a female ever. Um, 25 million with bonuses if it reaches 900 million, which there's a chance. It's high, but uh, she's also uh, going to be a producer, which is big news. Yeah, nice. is this Infinity War? Uh, no, this is the Black Widow movie. Yeah, oh, they're they, making they a Black, Widow, a Black movie. Widow movie. Okay. Finally, yeah. Um, After like Wonder Woman makes all the money, Marvel's like, I guess <laughs> it's still low. Poor Hawkeye, um, and it doesn't really address the pay gap situation since she's going to be the star. But uh, it's something. It's it's moving on. The producer credit is the big deal, I think, mm-hmm. on that. Because, I mean, she's going to end up making probably sub $40 million even with bonus money. And that's nowhere near what, like, Downey's making for Avengers or whatever. Right. So, um, but something moving moving up anyway. The same point, like, uh, Wonder Woman was one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, this is not a, a misogynist thing, but I just don't know how interesting Black Widow is. Yeah. You know? Well, the, the yeah. Well, they're telling that story. It's a movie coming out next month called Red Sparrow. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, pretty much. I feel like this 
Well, um, it's that way Red Sparrow took the story from Black Panther. Yeah. So. <laughs> they just, maybe he's going to make a ton of money. And I think Scarlett yeah. Johansson's great in the MCU. I think she's great as that character. Mm-hmm. I also don't know how interesting she is, but at the same time, the movie will probably be like funny and entertaining and a hit. Yeah. Because it'll have Doctor Strange in it, or it'll have, you know... Or it'll just have Black Widow in it. It'll still be good. Like, the worst Marvel movie is as good as Wonder Woman to me. Yeah, I so, just mean that the, they've gotten to the point where there's, there's so much crossover there these days, and like all like right, they, they'll spin a wheel and they'll pick three names off of it, and those three names will show up in the Black Widow movie. Yeah, I'm just and, saying that doesn't do anything. That doesn't make it better or worse for yeah, me. Yeah, kind of make it worse for me. Yeah, as long as like it's the not... putting Falcon and Ant Man was just, I think it probably made that movie worse for me, rather than being a self-contained, you know, delight of a movie. I don't know. Like I said, it doesn't affect me. And I don't know what the movie looks like without him. You know, it's not a... Right. It's a hypothetical. I have some breezy I'd like to hear Chris's thoughts on. Uh, uh, What do you think of the Nintendo Cardboard The Labo thing? It looks so dumb. Dude, that's fucking crazy. It looks... I think it's going to be a hit with kids. Yeah. Yeah, and and I feel like Japan is going to lose their mind over it. Also start like making their own shit. It's also gonna. I mean, it's corrugated cardboard. It costs Nintendo like pennies to make, <laughs> and they're gonna. They're selling the one with the giant. I mean, it comes with the software, but the giant backpack and the boxing gloves you can wear as a robot. It's selling for eighty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, so if you even pretend that it costs sixty dollars for like the whatever their weird little VR punching game is going to be, like twenty dollars for cardboard. Like that's yeah. ridiculous. Cardboard is like. It is the bottom of the barrel as far as like packaging. It's, I I think it's 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 crazy. Yeah. I, I'm not going to invest any money. I'm not like, right. Like the these, this is where Nintendo has fucked up before. I don't think I think that they took the most cost effective risk. Um, They've always been known for knocked for like cheap peripherals. Right. Like this is like the cheapest, like, <laughs> but it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, like Amiibos did well, but they didn't like you know they're they're not they don't make enough money, so they don't make as many anymore. There's limited supply of them. They're, they create artificial demand. They do the same thing with their mini consoles. You know they've tried to integrate their handheld stuff into their like mainline you know home consoles. You know there was the motion controls on the Wii, which were good and were trend setting, but you know, de- developers didn't like using it as a tool in developing their games. You know, the Wii U with the small screen, big screen. It's just like, it's always strange, especially this late in the cycle to like, the Switch is successful. Splatoon 2 is the best-selling game in Japan. You know, it's, this is this outsold the PS2 in its first year. Um, like, not the PS2's first year. And the Switch's first year, the Switch sold better. Mm-hmm. Um, like, crazy numbers, and then they just like, we're making cardboard. <laughs> and we're going like, to have instructional videos on how to put it together, so you've got these like crazy experiences. It just seems weird. Um, mm-hmm. It's like you've got the top minds at you know Microsoft and Sony and in the PC space, like, doing VR, and <laughs> Nintendo's like, just like, they're, like the nematode. They're like, what about cardboard, guys? Like, why project yourself in the future when you can strap paper to your body and pretend like you're a robot? I hope they offer something where you can construct your own cardboard virtual boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, the only thing that intrigues me is the 
the homebrew aspect of it, just like the plans that you could DIY to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyone could have access to cardboard, and if you have the software, then you can do whatever you want. I mean, it, it's neat, but I don't, it doesn't interest me at all. Anyway, cool. That's all I got. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Wrapping it up. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. This was Talkie Talk Podcast for the Media Bios. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter, Gmail, uh, our Facebook groups, and our Facebook page. Love to hear from you, and please subscribe. Give us a rating. I want to say thanks to the Willow Walkers. Thanks. I want to say thanks to Burifa for the intro and outro mu- music, respectively. Hmm. And I want to say thanks to you guys for being here. And thanks to David, respectfully. Oh. Thanks for listening. Reflexively. Come on! Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know.